What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Soul Therapy, the podcast. My name is Daniel. Daytona. Today, we will be talking about some of our favorite K-hip-hop albums and why we think they are considered classics. As usual, if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on all streaming platforms, and don't forget to give us that five-star rating. Also, for more contents, please go and follow our socials at soul underscore therapy, and also please support our page on Patreon at patreon.com slash soul underscore therapy. What is considered a classic album? Well, to me, I define classic as a way to have a uh, a longevity. You know, an, an album mm. has to have it, its longevity and has to like, you know, be able to age well. You know, kind of like, like a wine. Mm. You know, it has to age like fine wine. Mm. And there's a lot of Korean hip hop albums out there that are considered classics by many fans and yes. many community and many you know, hip hop culture in Korea, they, they consider mm-hmm. such and such a classic albums. And what we decided to do is to pick out two, what we think are considered classic albums from the old school era and two albums from the new school era. And so we're going to just kind of mm-hmm. like dive into that. And one of the, I consider this as a classic album is deep flows, heavy, deep album, which came out in 2011. Mm. It's, I think it's one of the more, yeah uh underrated albums that people in the yeah it's not mentioned yeah, it's much. definitely not mentioned and I, I i don't get why because this is like probably an introduction to kind of like a like a korean like rick ross type you know and this album kind of yeah, definitely Kore- feels that way yeah definitely um uh, yeah i would view it as classic yes um and most of people, like most of the people, when we think about D-Flow, because um, we usually think about Yang Hua yeah. or the recent album Founder, right. and I still think there are better records than Heavy Deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but Heavy Deep holds a place in hip hop history, in my opinion. Yes, it really does. It's an album that just you kind of just forget about. You know what I mean? It just kind of like passes through your mm. ears and then you just... It's overshadowed. It is very overshadowed. And like when you mention, mm. or if somebody were to bring up, hey, have you ever heard of Deep Flow's Heavy Deep? Then you'll be like, oh yeah, right. I forgot about that album. That That's what it, that's yeah. what it feels like. But it's such a, um, a heavy presence album because back then Deep Flow... It's a very hardcore album. It is very yeah. hardcore. It's Deep Flow had that very, you know, poise you know that very heavy presence that you know you kind of mm. see in a rapper and really default really epitomized that album title heavy deep and <laughs> no, no no i'm serious it's um he has a song called uh, yeah um, i mean it's just amusing yeah he yeah. has a song called still my flow part two and yeah that's an homage to the original still my flow from his first I yeah album. called this major album um yeah yeah and so when you look at Deep Flow and his catalog, yeah, he doesn't have like two Banny catalogs, but like you said, you know, Yang, four albums, four yeah. albums, yeah, and like you said, Yanghua and like Founder, those are mm. like kind of like what most people kind of listen to, but I think Heavy yeah. Deep has this real like kind of like a shadow, you know, where you you don't like you would kind of be like, huh, I didn't know Deep Flow had this type of album. Yeah, it's um, it's very interesting because uh, if you look at D Flow's history, and by the way, four albums is actually pretty uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty extensive in Korean hip hop standards. Right. Like, really, rappers don't put out a lot of albums here. Um, 
if you look at Tiflo's history, like he came, like he was first on the rise in the Big Deal Squad and the Big Deal Records. Mm-hmm. Um, Big Deal Records was a hardcore hip hop outfit within like the first stages of Korean hip hop, mm-hmm. and. What was interesting is that he, like, if you listen to his first album, you'll notice, like, Big Deal really had some East Coast records, like, very hard-hitting, Pete Rock, Mob Deep, that kind right. of hardcore hip-hop. And Heavy Deep is not that kind of album. It's more about the Southern trap, boom yeah. shit, right? The, the Rick Ross, Port of Miami mm-hmm. kind of things. And this kind of exemplifies an interesting point in Korean hip-hop because we don't have regional differences that much. Mm. We are a small country. Um, Although there are some regional flavors, it's not as accentuated as it is in the States. So if it hits hard, it kind of... When it, it, if it's any genre, like be it trap, boom shit, or be it hardcore 90s, East Coast stuff, if it hits hard, there is a tendency for rappers to do both of them anyway. Mm-hmm. You know what right. I mean? It, it, in, in Korean hip-hop. Because to us, it kind of speaks to the similar crowds. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? As long as you're rhyming properly, as long as like it sounds quote-unquote macho enough or yeah. something... If it's heavy enough, like it's not that much of a difference to the Korean audience's eyes. Yeah. Not just talking about the masses here, but according to like in many like in the hip hop circle as well. Mm-hmm. Like they have a similar kind of fan base. So I think D Flow's catalog kind of exemplifies that well. Like the this major album was a boom bap yeah. album. Was quintessential boom bap sure, album. Yeah. Um, Heavy Deep is really Southern inspired, mm-hmm. and then you look at his later records. Um, it's a mixture of both, exactly. right? Especially Yanghua is like, especially his next record, Yanghua is just like a, it's just a hardcore album. You you can't categorize if it's boom bap or trap. It's also groundbreaking too. It, yeah, it exists in this. It, it exists in the same concept within the mm-hmm. album. It exists in this similar like. Sounds good. Right. So, and for the fourth album founder, he he goes in a soul band record. Yeah. Like he goes into like the Adrian Young kind mm-hmm. of territory. So this means that like Heavy Deep kind of signifies uh, a kind of point in Korean history, hip hop history, where like um, in retrospect tells you about like everything I just said right now. How like it's like regarding the similar cultural vein mm-hmm. and heavy deep also has a lot of references to Hongdae, right yeah which accentuates which is again way more accentuated in the yanghua album but like heavy deep is if yanghua is more about the transition and the disparity between like yanghua and Hongdae, like heavy deep is strictly about Hongdae. exactly you know what mm-hmm. i mean like there are references is um there uh, I'm not I don't exactly remember the record that well but there's lots of there's a song called or something like that mm. I'm the crazy dude in this zone with Chiguin I think Oh yeah 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 and and there's like references to Hongdae in that song and probably other songs as well so it's more like a homage to like the hardcore movement itself mm-hmm. in Hongdae so that's kind of another thing to look out for that record a lot a lot the record pretty is 
pretty well. Like it really did. It doesn't sound stylistically is a bit dated because obviously we're not into that kind of like maximalized trap mm-hmm. anymore. But it's not like it sounds dated because of the recording is bad or something. Mm-hmm. Like the first Steve Flow album, the way he's rapping and the way it's recorded, it sounds dusty as it fuck. It does, yeah. It, it didn't wage well. Um, but this album actually has clean mixing. Like this album has the kind of engineering standards that we have right now. So it kind of aged well. So I think it, I think I think I know why you see it as a classic. Like it 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 lives up to your standard of aging like wine. And I, I love how in that album or Steve Flow back in the day he. What was it? He had an assistance with uh, Ven. He had he was like an R and B kind of singer, and uh, yeah, I think he's still in Vis Major. Am I wrong? Last time, I don't think I've seen his name in the in the roster. Yeah, granted, he he kind of disappeared. But yeah, yeah Ven really, um, I would say, kind of helped Deep Flow go to a mm. new type of sound. And mm. in Heavy D, there there's like two tracks with Ven, and it's quite different from what you would expect from Deep Flow but yeah um but it works yeah uh this was in 2011 like this was a period in time where trap was taking over right and i think deep flow really had to find a method to kind of stay hardcore without being limited to boom bap Mm -hmm. and this was his answer and it worked out like this was one of the foundational records that kind of like still gave him like presence within the scene and this probably kind of um was important in transitioning this major to a crew from a label mm. you know that kind of yeah. thing like yeah i can definitely see it like 10 tracks um it hits hard no bullshit no, so definitely not yeah yeah so that is one of my it's not old but to me it feels old mm-hmm. and so that's why i categorize it as like like an old school it is old and so (laughs) 2011 is old at this point it's 10 years true and for my second old school album um i kind of went with the more underground and i went with fauna fanatic and yeah that is bonafide classic yeah exactly that's a bonafide classic uh for people that don't know fauna is my goodness he's our doom oh what could i say about him he this he's our doom yeah um he's definitely our doom Oh, this album, Fanatic, this dropped in 2009, and, mm. like, damn, it's such a gritty album. Um, mm. This album is a is a typical boom bap, but it has, like, this really jazzy, dark tone to it. It's very dark, the album. Yeah, it's a very noir jazz it is, kind yeah. of. It, yeah. It's, it almost feels like you can place this place his album in like you know kind of like gangster type movies you know like those crime yeah i can see that movies and he's just such a different artist i mean i remember when uh soul company was on the rise and then you know Mm. the quiet was there pento was there it's like the whole Mm. roster was just emerging and then you had this cat named fauna and like I heard this dude, I was like, dude, this guy is something different. Like his tone is yeah. so husky. It's so it's monstrous. It, it is. And like, damn, I feel like Fauna is the type of rapper that can do well, like in the really old school era, but also in the new school era. Like he Yeah, he can definitely age. He aged well as an he artist. He really did. Like 
obviously commercially he has no sway whatsoever no. but yeah i but don't think he's the type of rapper his artistry never died yeah, i don't yeah. think he's the type of rapper that would go for like that mainstream like you know chart topping stuff and dude this album there's like a song called the masquerade um yeah oh, that's his classic wow. that's his if we remove every like if we have to like pick one great song it's it's that one like i mean there's so many great songs on there um to, to our listeners, if, did we mention Fauna before in this podcast? Briefly. We talked about him briefly. Yeah, that's not enough. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fauna is, as I just said earlier, Fauna is our MF2. Yes. That's it. Like, the, mo- the biggest reason why Fauna is important and famous within the hip-hop scene is because of his rhyme mm. schemes. It's harder to find a word that doesn't rhyme on Fauna's yeah. lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how, like, Doom, like, rhymed every fucking syllable? Yeah, it's very complex. Juana does that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's hard to find syllables that doesn't rhyme in Juana's records. Mm. And, of course, since most of you don't know Korean, it will not, like, rub off that way. But this kind of rhyme scheme makes it possible for him to rap on any beat. Mm. Yeah. Same with Doom. Like... If you look at MF Doom records, like there's a lot of tempos mm. and a lot of and the reason he can still like kind of go through that kind of still sound effortless on it is because because it is rhymed so heavily. Like even if you have a monotone flow, like the it works it does, because yeah. yeah, you don't even have to accentuate your words. That's why Doom can rap on any record. It's the same for Juana. Like no matter what tempo it is, like it doesn't fucking matter. He's just insane, um, bro. To me, there are lar- to me there's largely two kinds of record, uh, two kinds of rappers. Mm-hmm. One are rappers that ride on the beat, mm. and the other is the rappers with flows that kind of barrels through the beat. Exactly, you know yeah. what I mean. And usually, what happens is, um, if you're riding on the beat, um, uh, you don't you lack a certain intensity. Mm-hmm. But if you barrel through the beat, there it's really intense, but it's very hard to be smooth yeah. on it. The reason why Doom is great is because he barrels through the beat, but he doesn't exactly barrel through the beat. He kind of goes in like a, a very hot knife through butter or yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly what Juana does in his mm-hmm. records. Like It's effortless because it's the rhyme scheme is so heavy. He sounds so smooth on any kind of beat, even though with that, even though he has a such husky tone to his voice. Yeah, his, and, his flows are nasty. Yeah. It's, it's crazy, and, dude. Yeah. And the under, other thing about Juana is that he's just not just like rapidly rapping here. No. He's not doing the like 2021 Eminem bullshit. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's being very conceptual with his lyrics. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's he's one of the most creative lyricists that Korean hip hop has to offer. Like the song Masquerade, <sighs> which is basically like, yeah. which is just like, um, which is just um, basically a, a masquerade. He, he's disc- he's describing a masquerade, mm-hmm. a masked ball. But he puts in these vocabulary and nuances to expand the narrative so that it's he's not actually talking about a masquerade. He's more talking about the hypocrisy and the, uh, what do you call it? Um, the hypocrisy of human nature, mm-hmm. of how everyone is backstabbing each other. How you can't really know what it is to face, uh, know what the other person is thinking mm-hmm. in the current hypercapitalistic society and stuff mm-hmm. like that. 
in modern civilization. You, and that kind of, he's talking about social distrust among its members. And, and it's done in a way that is so, like, um, literature-wise amazing. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah. There's so many songs like this. Um, there's another song called Rhymonic Storm. This is actually a, a bit more mm-hmm. famous because it spoke more directly yeah. than The Masquerade. Anyway, um, <laughs> Rhymonic Storm is basically him putting together words in, in, um, from the StarCraft game. Oh, I didn't catch that. Like the words he are using in that, like he, the way he's like boasting about his skills, he uses words from the StarCraft universe. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's why it's called Rhymonic Storm. That's pretty um, cool. Instead of Psionic <laughs> Storm by the High Templar, it's like the Rhymonic Storm. It's nerdish. It's nerdish as fuck. But the way he pulls it off, the way he pulls it off, makes it sound incredibly dope. It's it's basically nerdcore hip hop in a sense. But hey man, that that's what makes he me. uses. Yeah, like every word he uses is not like I'm rhyme better than you. He's rhyming better than you, but he's the, using the metaphor in the StarCraft universe. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, naturally you see why it would have been very um, kind of impactful for Korean listeners because StarCraft is huge is, yeah. here. Like, mm-hmm. not now, not now. Before, yeah. StarCraft two kind of failed in Korea, but the original StarCraft and the StarCraft Brood War was a very quintessential part of the '90s and 2000s right. internet culture. There was li- there's literally no Korean man that doesn't know how to play StarCraft. Mm. The whole pro gamer shtick that Koreans have about us being the best gamers in the world that shit started with StarCraft. It is no yeah. money. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like uh, the internet culture here is very heavily focused on gaming, and that's why I said like way back like Korea is basically one of the archetypes of cyberpunk. The reason is this is one of the reasons why. Like, I, I know it's not the case in many Western countries, but gaming is inseparable from the Korean teenage experience. Yeah. Nor is it from, like, the college student experience. Like, you know how to game, like, not knowing how to game and you're a Korean male, you're, you're, you're naturally an outsider. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And StarCraft was the start of that. So you naturally see, like, because Fana writing songs like this, like, listeners back then will be like, yeah, this is the shit kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know what I mean? So that is, and that kind of lyrical execution, that kind of um, topical focus that not a lot of rappers had, the topical focus and the creativity, is what made Juana such a big MC and is still a big MC right now. Yeah. Um, granted, uh, this was the case for like a f- about the first three records, and now he's more on the mental health side of mm. things. He still has the rhyme schemes. He still has the potent pen. He still has the bars. But it's mostly about his depressed nature. Mm. Like, the dude is going through some shit. Um, mm. I think... Juana um, is a very symbolic, symbolic figure in that because he he never uh, tried to sell out, I guess. No, he's a quiet dude. The financial success was never his mm. mission. And he has a junction. Um, it's, a, it's literally called a junction, the ugly junction. He had a club, I think, mm-hmm. that's called the ugly junction. And that ugly junction is responsible for birthing so many superstars right mm-hmm. now. Like, Kundi Panda got through that club. Mm-hmm. Um, Jackie, Jackie Y was first discovered by Juana oh, and wow. stuff like that. Yeah, like, the ugly junction is responsible for putting a lot of underground rookies to the mainstream. Or at least what we call mainstream in the hip hop scene. You know what yeah. I mean? So Fana, not only as an artist, uh, left a huge musical mark in how far lyricism can go, 
but so many people in the underground as a culture are indebted to him as well. So not knowing his music is kind of like showing yourself, eh, you're not really into Korean hip hop mm. kind of thing. No, it's a... <laughs> so like for the street cred, for the Korean hip hop street cred, you need to know who Fana is. And it's the, it's the same thing. Like the, you say you're into hip hop, but you don't know Doom. Mm. Eh, it's suspect. It's sus, you know? I guess what I want to say is like, I really want like the, the listeners to go and check this album out because whether it might not be your taste or not, I think it's really important mm. to take a listen to this album. It warrants to listen. Yeah, yeah. because there's a reason why. Yeah, fuck it, listen to his entire catalog. Yeah, like there's a reason why he's like, even though he's not popular by the public, mm. like his music lives a long time. And I think it's an important piece of history in the Korean hip hop culture. And so, yeah. Yeah, it's, um, just just quick mention mm-hmm. here. Um, By the way, it's not just because his greatness as a rapper, but he chooses his beats and he arranges his music mm-hmm. very well. Like, these are musically very potent records as well. Um, The way the beats are constructed. And especially, like, not this record, but as as his cat- uh, discography progresses, like, if you listen to records like Hanaconda mm-hmm. or Fanabis, like, shit is amazing. Like, sonically amazing. The production scape and everything. Like... Just listen to his entire catalog. Um, it's musically, it's lyrically, performance-wise, it's fucking perfect. Yeah. So definitely listen to it. It will not be a waste of time. Um, he's one of the certified OGs yeah. in the Korean hip hop. Just because um, he doesn't exactly have a company, but I don't think he's interested in that yeah. anyway. He's lyrically, he's like the, about the culture through and through and through. So exactly, he's like he's practically like the he's like the hermit. Like you see in like action movies oh, yeah. like the recluse to hermit yeah. kind of character where like the protagonist goes in to like learn sh- learn like to train and stuff right. like that this is the dude there's two people like that and one of them is fauna mm, the other is jjk but yeah we're talking about fauna here so anyway yeah he's definitely a legend and so mm. my other two which we're moving on to the new school for me is again mm. not new school but somewhere in the middle and it's a uh, contemporary yeah contemporary and it's um it's with kunta's group crew called uh root paper and uh yeah the album's called destroy babylon and daytona you mentioned this before cool ass title yeah you mentioned this album before and um i got hooked onto it and uh this is something that i've never heard of especially reggae movement in korea since reggae movement in korea is not like extremely big or anything like that um yeah this album to me is a classic because it's something that i've never heard of it's refreshing but it's also i would say something that it's gonna help kunta soon because now Mm. that kunta is part of show me the money and you know he's getting known i think people i hope people can check out his discography and see that he's kind of like one of the leading pioneers in the reggae movement in korea because yeah. We haven't had a reggae movement like, you know, big or that lasted for a long time. We never did. Yeah, or yeah, it never did. Not for a long time. We never did. Yeah. <laughs> and this album, Root, uh, Destroy Babylon, it's it's just insane. It's a mix of like dubstep, reggae, you know, hip hop, yeah. kind of trap, oh, like all you like all you would want, like all you want in like a hip hop track. Like this album has it. But it's also a mixture of reggae because that's what they're known for and that's what they do best. And so like 
Yeah, like Kungta is known for that. Mm-hmm. Um, there are prominent reggae figures in Korean hip hop. Um, one, the other probably being Skull. Skull yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, actually, Kush called uh, it yeah. was what's Stony Kush, Skunk, Kush would be another one. Which is what? Yeah, but anyway, but Kungta is the one who really experimented a lot. Like he was trying to recontextualize reggae in a sense that it would fit into this age that's why he tried to like fuse it with um electronica sometimes Mm -hmm. or something like that like he tried a lot of sonical palettes to kind of reinforce his reggae image and persona which is not a lot of what people expect or people do um he has a collaboration project with uh, new audience and stuff like that that's another Um, good album granted uh by the way trigger warning uh, uh warning here um i don't uh, the the whole destroy Babylon is might be kind of an offensive title mm, in a sense, yeah. but people to people who are not Christian, but this is not that much Christianity focused, mm-hmm. so that um this is not a preaching ass album. I think Babylon works more as a metaphor for nihilism mm. or that kind like the ills of current society yeah. rather than it being a religious statement that no, like, I don't see that. Yeah, it's not that. So you you don't you don't have to expect bigotry in this album. Um this is classic because for one reason only, um by my standards because you, I think you and I have pretty different standards as to what classic right, is, yeah. Daniel, but because if this album is not classic, that's more of an indictment not on this record but more on the Korean reggae movement. Mm, yeah. This album because if this album is not classic, it means that reggae itself is not that influential in Korea. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is one of the finest achievements that Korean have, uh, reggae has to offer. Yeah. And and Korean reggae being the location that it is being um, it is in, it's very connected to hip hop. It really is, yeah. Like. Yeah, because there's not that much of a huge black music community here, mm-hmm. so it's it's like we all know each other. Exactly. The jazz men know the funk men, and the funk men know the R and B men, and the R and B men know the hip hop men, and the hip hop men. You know, that's what I mean here. Like the hip hop people know every other people, like across all black genres. That's how it is here. Mm. Black music is kind of lumped together, right. not because uh, not because of a lack of talent, mm-hmm. or not because we have the wrong cultural understanding, but because we have no choice but to. Mm-hmm. If you don't do this, you're either in like the K-pop EDM category, or you're doing punk and indie uh, rock in Hongdae. Yeah, you know what mm-hmm. I mean. So there's not like we have to stick to each other for, in a sense, for survival. Right. Um. Otherwise, like where you're going to find the session men and stuff like that. Anyway. This record is more of a testament that Korean reggae exists and is alive. Mm-hmm. And that uh, it's not like a dead genre. This is a very creative album. I think we did talk about this album yeah, a little time a brief, before. Yeah. And I yeah, I actually recommended mm-hmm. this, right? Yeah. Kunta has, and Root Paper especially has more experimental records than this. Yeah. Um, Actually, the reason why this album is classic is because it is less experimental from the others. Yeah, this I, is I more figure. roots reggae focused. Yeah. yeah, because the the other root paper album is like super electronic influenced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kunta's solo album recently was very electronic influenced. Yeah. 
except the vocal passages, like the production was just straight up EDM with a little bit of reggae tempo. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and this Destroy Babylon is more about um, experimentalism within the context of roots reggae. Mm. So it's like a little bit more tra- traditionalist, mm. and that's what makes it classic, ironically. But you also get the um, best of both worlds in that album. You know, you get a mix of... Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Yeah. yeah. Like, Kunta is a very progressive kind of figure when it comes to musical movements. Mm-hmm. Like, and this was where he toned down that a little bit and turn, tried to go back to his roots, like to go back to reggae's roots. Mm-hmm. And it succeeded. Like, even look at the fucking title. Like, it sounds very kind of Christian-influenced. Mm-hmm. So... It's a great record. Definitely check it out. We uh we kind of talked about it already, but I'm talking I'm 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 gonna talk about it again. Um, I'm gonna say it again. This is just a great fucking record. So, yeah. especially with Kunta being um on Show Me the Money ten, doing yeah. so well, I hope these kind of records will get their shine because exactly. they really deserve it. So definitely, and yeah, definitely. They lyrically, melodically, performance wise, the production, the sequencing. I don't find a big flaw within this record, so yeah. I see why no reason why this shouldn't be a classic, I guess. Yeah. Definitely listen to it. Yeah. And so for my second one, it stays on the mm. year of 2016. It's Nuxai's first album, The God of Small Things. God of Small Things, yeah. Oh man, Nuxai. Nuxai, Nuxai. I mean, mm-hmm. he's just a straight rapper. Pure, pure rapper. <laughs> Every word, yeah. he pronounces his words so clearly to the point where you just like, wow this is amazing and yeah i actually i actually um suggest nuxar for people who are trying to learn korean mm. no, that's <laughs> that's a great that's a great recommendation yeah. no i would i would you can hear thing. every word like you said and his pen game is really very it's, poetic it's crazy so uh, this album it's a great way to yeah man it's a great way to learn korean <laughs> it, it really is and especially yeah. with this album and look he yeah he doesn't have he only has like two albums which one came out mm. last year and and then the first one was 2016 but man the god of small things dude that's such a i would say another timeless classic because Nuxa is the is the rapper that you know that really respects and embodies you know that pure hip hop culture right the art of hip hop yes. and especially with this album mm. the god of small things man like it's a boom bap hip hop album. Maybe there's like one or two tracks that are slightly introducing kind of like that trap game, but like all. But it still has soul it, samples mostly. It does, time, yeah. So it's like, yeah. There's a song called. Um, this is a very traditionalist album. There's a song called um, "I Got Bills, Earn Your Keep" featuring. Queens. I got bills today. <laughs> <laughs> I figured yeah. you can go there. That's such a good song, and yeah. one mic um the god yeah. of small things that was an indictment on show me the money for mm. and then that was a diss on that yeah I'll, I'll get into that yeah talk talk your shit man yeah earn your key probably is my favorite featuring kunta because mm. that production was produced by uh code coons oh and it's called earn your key being yeah. english huh and yeah that's a good translation yeah it's produced by code I mean, the lyrics and so that. yeah the, the lyrics are insane but the produ- production yeah. wise on code by code coons it's it's so like you said it's, it's a dusty type beat very you know mm. grimy you know raw it's, it's just oh, that chorus though yeah it's just that that hook to like again kunta just fits well you know if you give him the right beats kunta's gonna tear it up you know and 
No, I think it's more than that. I think like Kunta manages to find us to like fit into whatever beat that is given to him. It's like the dude's a genius. Yeah, it, like it really <laughs> seriously. Is. Yeah. This album in general, man. Like, really, it's it's just straight hip hop. Um, if if you're looking for just a straight hip hop album, a lot of small things. It's very poetic too. You know, there's a lot of yeah. It's it's very lyrical. I mean, I very lyrical. Earn your keep is one of the few songs that actually made me cry. Really, <laughs> it really helped me through some tar- like tough times. Um, like one of the I, I'm getting a little personal here, but no um, in my first years of college, I used to work at the school like English newspaper, mm. and uh, Korean college club activities are really something else. Mm. And being as privileged as I am, I it sounds pretentious, I know, but the co- the college I go to is a pretty prestigious one. Mm. Uh, there's a there's a university that's called uh, abbreviated to the Sky League mm. in Korea. Um, it's the the acronym really is ironic. Um, it's called Sky because it is the top three universities mm-hmm. in Korea. Um, Seoul University, which is which is our Harvard. Right. And there's the Korea University, which is like our Princeton, Yale kind of ish thing. And then Yonsei, which is another Princeton, Yale mm-hmm. kind of ish. And I, I, I currently go to Korea University. Nice. Um, I'm still enrolled. Um, granted, it's not because I'm lazy. It's because I had to have military service. Right. So I'm trying my best, my listeners. Um, I'm not a lazy fuck. <laughs> but anyway... In my first year of college in Korea University, um, I was in the school newspaper, and mm. uh, there are a lot of drama, um, public fun being embezzled, like that, a lot of bullshit, mm-hmm. and it really made me kind of the pessimistic asshole that I am right now. Like the first year of college was really the period in which I realized that people are fucking assholes, and humanity is a failure. <laughs> it really awakened my misanthropic kind of side like so many motherfuckers like that don't deserve what they're and 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 anyway and earn your keep was the song that one of the songs that really kept me anchored mm-hmm. um the, the 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 hook on that song about um yeah. let me let me look it up again um do, do you have the translations actually i do not you don't? like if you're listening to Noxal albums, please look up the translations because the guy's lyrics are a huge point in why you're listening to him. Yeah. He's one of the most poetic. He's our common in a sense, almost. Um, it's it's like the f- it's about constantly having to hustle, not because of like some glorious attitude or some kind of delusions of grandeur it's more about having to survive off of just pure that's all you have to do that's that's the only thing you can do here Mm -hmm. um first of all that encompasses that encompasses like what soul is perfectly Mm. we're it's a free market but uh it's it's actually a phrase phrase i used to like a lot um it's a free market Mm -hmm. But the participation is forced. Mm. That's basically so. It's a free world, but you have to be part of it no matter what. Right. It's it's a it's a free competition for everyone, but there's never the option where you don't have to, you don't want to compete. Wow. 
and that's the case for the capitalistic world order, definitely. But Seoul is one of those countries, uh, one of those cities, and Korea as well in general, where that is like hyperinflated. Like, <laughs> uh, I'm I'm very skeptic as of to how many countries will be this competitive mm-hmm. from like the moment you're out of the womb. Yeah, we're not talking about like transition into society. We have been competitive since we were like we flopped into the crib you know what i mean Mm -hmm. from like when we're fucking kindergartners and this song coming from that kind of background um this song really speaks to speaks to people like me and Mm. probably a lot of other people as well you're constantly locked up in this grind of you're not grinding yourself it's more like you're being grinded rather than like participating in the grind and this song is about how like you don't talk you don't actually think about what you're going to eat you don't think about who you're going to eat it with the very fact that you're eating itself is kind of a gratitude moment here mm-hmm. and he does he does he puts this kind of message out in a very poetic yeah. again a very heartwarming way so that um he acknowledges the problematic grind set within korea but kind of tries to comfort the listener in saying that there's still someone that is going to pick you up no matter what. And in this song, it's his mother. Mm-hmm. And even in the music video, like there's a music video that's mm-hmm. for this. I, I suggest you cop it. Um, the music video is shown in the perspective of a dollar bill. Uh, in Korea, it's a thousand won, right? Yeah. And this bill gets passed around as people buy things from each other. Mm-hmm. And it starts with this kid um, paying a $10 bill to buy this CD, mm-hmm. the God of Small Things CD, physical CD. And this bill goes around and around and around and around and around until it comes back to his mother. Mm. It, it passes around a, a street vendor. It goes to a prostitute. And I don't exactly remember the details. Anyway, the bill goes around and and it eventually lends uh, comes back to the mu- uh, music video protagonist's mother mm-hmm. which he she uses to cook a meal for the son the protagonist so it really shows how like there's a lot of messages in that music video because if you think about it that dollar bill represents the current system that we are kind of trapped in all right Everyone has to grind for their every own other reason, and the common factor of those reasons is survival. You have to do no matter what you, you by any means necessary, you have to survive. And being this state of mind that I was in college, it was like I don't want to do this shit anymore. Yeah. Like the people suck. Um, I never knew that journalism was this kind of dirty mm-hmm. and this this much bullshit. But you still have to do it because the that kind of portfolio that kind of this resume kind of details everything for the korean who is in their 20s right that one line in the resume can really um decide your fate for the next 80 years of your life Mm. so i had to do it and the korean 20s like being 20 in korea and being 20 anywhere actually at the at this point in, in your 20s we're stuck in a world where we constantly have to make the bad choices of sacrificing our own happiness for our survival. Mm-hmm. This is no longer a, civil- a civilization where we 
are collectively striving for the greater good or our collective happiness. This is more of a chicken game. Mm. And like this kind, this kind of song really made me kind of maybe it's an illusion, maybe it's a comfort, or whatever it is, kind of believe on myself again in a sort. Oh, that's good. Yeah, kind of thinking like maybe he, maybe there's something, maybe some superficial reason for having to live on, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And the album as a whole definitely has a place in my heart, yeah. but that song especially is just. Just look at the translations. Yeah. Look at the music video. I th- I think you'll still find it. Um, I think you have to type in the Korean, but yeah. Uh, I I this is and I I'm sure a lot of people have these kind of experiences, yeah. and a lot of people probably have very worse experiences compared to I am mm-hmm. because at the end of the day, this is like a college student's kind of yeah. Um, but still, rant. I mean, there's too many people. There's so I I'm so blessed to be having to be born in a very privileged background, mm. and I still feel this kind of way, mm. like that I'm being grinded into dust. Like, think about factory workers. Yeah. Think about people who have to like, feel. Think about delivery workers yeah. and stuff like that. In this fucked up world, I just hope that this podcast um, kind of offers you a small comfort mm. in the crazy world and the abusive and exploitative yeah. world exploitative world that we are living in right mm-hmm. now the first i'll go with dj souls gaze 180 <sighs> grand beats oh my goodness why didn't i not think of that one damn this was i think in the year 2000 yeah, like this goes like back 20 yeah. years so yeah um dj soulscape is a legendary figure um and he's also like not just in the scale of Korean hip hop either. Um, I think D- he has personal connections with DJ Premier. Mm. Yeah, they sh- like they shout each other out all the time, and it's crazy. Like he's one of the very proud Koreans I have. <laughs> uh, proud, he's one of the proud Koreans that no one knows about. Mm-hmm. No one knows about. And one hundred one hundred and eighty gram beats is significant in two ways. First, it's still amazing. Um, it's still amazing, and it it has one of the most igno- in- innovative like sampling techniques mm. uh, that Korean hip hop has to offer. This is like our introducing. Um, yeah, good comparison. Yeah, it really is, um, because DJ Soulscape was a uh, he's now he's a very chill dude. Yeah, but back then he was a little bit frustrated. I think. Mm. He was one of those people who are like, well, if you're not chopping samples and just looping them, you're a whack idiot kind of guy. Right. And so, um, granted, I think he changed his stance because no, at the end of the day, if you're sampling and you give your, like, pay your dues, it doesn't fucking matter in course, my opinion. Yeah. Good sampling is get sampling. Mm-hmm. Um, chopping this shit up and cum- like culminating like a lot of samples from different records and compiling them into one is one of the most... Um, basic principles of sampling but also it is a very hard trick to pull off you know what yeah. i mean there's a reason why we look at records like donuts or yeah. introducing or like um doc uh, oh no's like experiment yeah. and stuff like that madlib records and we're like fucking blown away like it's putting together and recontextualizing your influences into a single kind of track and putting those tracks together you make a fucking album right. and 180 gram beats is one of the best examples of that and um, there's also great um, guest appearances. A lot a little, of guest some, appearances, yeah. Also, yeah. MC Meta of Garyon mm-hmm. is on here. Um, Seven's in Seven. There, yeah. 
Yeah, Song Chun, mm-hmm. who probably isn't that famous anymore, but and he kind of regressed a lot musically. But back then, he was a very good MC. Anyway, that is one. Um, the conventional reasons why, and it really put like put the whole sampling blueprint out there. Like so many, like there's no producer in Korean hip hop that escapes the influence of DJ Soulscape. And number two is turntablism, mm. because at the end of the day, uh, much like DJ Premier. Um, DJ Soulscape views himself more as a DJ than a producer. Yeah. Despite being such a great producer. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the first instances of like DJ techniques that are record uh, that are on a record. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like the cut cutting methods, right. the scratching and stuff like that. It was kind of still being done in clubs, but this was the first example, as far as I know, that it was actually recorded. And put out to the masses, in a sense, to at least the Korean hip hop mm. fan listeners. Like this is recorded material of DJ activity, so that's another reason why this is classic. Um, this holds up very well. Mm. This album, uh, st- like of course stylistically, it's dated. No one does this kind of heavy, stupidly heavy boom bap anymore, right. or this kind of pleasant. Like this is very jazz focused yeah. and stuff like that. But it's still great music. It was recorded cleanly. Oh, yeah, um, no it, it's not overly dusty like uh, like old eighties records. Uh-huh. Like this, if someone's told me like this was recorded yesterday, I would look at it as a stylistic choice rather than a amateurish bad equipment kind mm. of thing. You know, so definitely peep this record. Um, this is a very uh must know kind of testament of course landmark yeah. in korean pop history so definitely check it out and dj soulscape has other stuff as well mm-hmm. currently i think he's rocking a lot with the bana artists yeah. um he's the he used to dj and i think he still did in like essence concerts and stuff like yeah. that yeah so soulscape is a legend um definitely check him out especially 100 80 gram beats that's the album name um my second classic old school classic would be verbal jinx accusations great let's go let's go yeah um i'm sure i have mentioned this record a lot of the times before but i actually never delved into it that deep as to explain why this is classic oh oh wait 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 uh, by the way, I have to tell you like what my standards of classic are. Yeah, for sure. Personally, I don't care. Unlike you, Daniel, um, I don't care how dated it sounds. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Jackson's Thriller sounds dated. It's still a fucking oh, classic, of course, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't care if it sounds dated or not. Um, it dated being dated definitely has to do more with about how um you will listen to the record now. But to me, classic is not about whether you like it or not. It's more about, or not even how perfect it is. It's more about if you, how influential it was. Exactly. That's the only thing I care about, whether the record being classic or not. Like a lot of albums that I consider classics, I fucking hate. Mm. Um, but I still consider them classics because if you remove them from, let's say you can remove them from hip hop history, Shit would have gone a different method, like on a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, um, the 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 Lil Yachty mixtape, the Lil Boat mixtape, uh, the first Lil Boat yeah. album. I still can't fucking listen to it. 
And I'm I'm pretty open to that shit. I'm pretty open to new shit. But that album really is going f- too far for me. The, the the guy's offbeat, like it, it it barely functions as music at all. Mm. But I still consider it a classic. Mm. If that mixtape didn't happen, we wouldn't have like we wouldn't be looking at hip hop like that is like hip hop these days. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Little Yachty was basically an example like of what the Sex Pistols did for rock. You don't do have to know how to do right. shit. It still becomes music, right? Mm. Um, so with that in mind, um, I'll explain the context of accusations. Um, by the way, accusations is not the classic in the way that Lil Yachty's Lil Bo mixtape is. Like, accusations is a fucking perfect album. Mm. Um, this there was a huge one of the biggest uh factors in Korean hip hop in the early Korean hip hop was disparity among players and rappers about how you're going to rhyme mm-hmm. um there were largely two factors uh two waves i guess mm-hmm. um, two teams whatever you, two sides i guess um one side was we don't have to rhyme mm. which is good looking back fucking stupid but um they it was more about like how insignificant rhyming was mm-hmm. you just have to rhyme a single syllable for it to work right. the other side was no what the fuck are you talking about uh-huh. that's why korea music sucks we have to rhyme properly you know what yeah. i mean and in this kind of uh, context verbal gent was the main head figure of the side that said we have to fucking rhyme mm-hmm. if it's not rhyming it's not hip-hop and this led to so many diss records going back and forth. Yeah. And Korea being even more conservative than it is right now, mm-hmm. people hated v- Verbalgent for it. Like, why are you so arrogant kind of thing? Yeah. Like, you are not fit for society. Kind of. I remember that. A very totalitarian method mm-hmm. of thought here. And he was surrounded by haters. Like, even in the Modern Rhymes EP came out because his tone wasn't as, like, furnished as it is, as it is now. Mm-hmm. It didn't seem that, like, high quality compared to the people who were dissing him. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, it was, but people couldn't kind of look at it this, looked at looked at that way back then, right. which was, like, the early 2000s. So Verbal Jint's, like, first career, like, the first leg of his career is basically hunting down whack MCs and saying fuck you to all the haters who kind of misunderstand what hip-hop was. Mm. They thought hip-hop was more about the message rather than the music. Mm. And granted, message is important in the hip-hop, but if you're a whack MC, it doesn't fucking matter, right? Mm. Go and do spoken like spoken poetry or something, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. And that's how it should have been. So, Verbal Jint was surrounded by all these enemies in the scene, like the listeners shitting on him because they didn't want to admit that he was making better music than all of their favorite rappers. The dude was rock him, basically. Yeah. This is the album that shut everyone up. This Mm -hmm. was the album that elevated Korean hip-hop. Like, this was the album that killed off the I don't have to rhyme type of guys. Mm -hmm. Like, this was the quintessential, like... um, pesticide he silenced he silenced everybody up he silenced everyone like this was what he was talking about all this time this dropped in 08 this justified his arrogance for like a period of almost a decade Uh this was the album that was like nope 
this was the albums that made haters go, wait, we were wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and there were a lot of haters. Like, this was a very big thing in Korean hip-hop. It was like 50-50, 60-40 kind of deal, whether we have to rhyme or not. And this was the album that showed them that you don't have, like, being an MC is not about being a celebrity. This being an MC is not about, um, like, being submissive. Being an MC is not being, like, put, like, um putting forth bullshit and covering up with motives over um, the actual quality of the music and stuff like that. So this basically removed like the musically incapable rappers from the scene entirely. Mm -hmm. After this album dropped, all of them disappeared. Mm. Without this album, we would have been still listening to like Soteji kind of rap. Mm. And this provided the blueprint, the real blueprint because the modern rhymes did it. Right. But Modern Rhymes didn't have the production value or the like, uh, the tone that VJ has right now mm-hmm. with the breath control. So this was the finalization of the Modern Rhymes in, in a sense when it comes to the attitude, when it comes to the technique, when it comes to production, everything. And this became the standard. This is like our Illmatic in a sense. Mm-hmm. Not in a societal, cultural context, but more in a musical context. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It was everything before this album is shit. You know, oh, like yeah. this, like comp- when it, at least when it comes to rapping only, everything out before this album is inferior to this album. Mm-hmm. That's how significant of an album this is. This became the blueprint of how you have to flow, how you have to rhyme, how you have to put words together, how you have to, what kind of attitude you should have when you're approaching hip hop. Right. You know what I mean? This isn't exactly like the fuck commercial kind of, commercialism kind of mm-hmm. thing, because that's a whole nother discussion. This was more about, like, at least you have to be this good exactly. as an MC, yeah. whether you want to be commercial or independent, whatever it is. And this ushered in the golden age of Korean hip-hop, in a sense, mm. because um, this this was 08, and I keep talking about 2008 in this podcast. This was when you had rookies like Essence coming up with oh, his yeah. mixtapes, um, mm-hmm. Swings, Simon D, Han E, who was actually good back in the yeah. day. Like... All of the rappers that kind of was the technical pinnacle still to this day came out because of this album and came out with at least with this album. And this was the representation of that kind of monumental shift in Korean hip hop. Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, uh, this has a certain narrative, loose narrative to it as well. Mm -hmm. So it also kind of showed rappers how to put albums together. How about how it's not just about putting dope songs together. Right. You should actually kind of think about how to put albums together and stuff like that. So, like even the Soul Company records. Um, yeah, Soul Company, granted, is one of the few movements that Verbal Jin actually said was dope. Mm. <laughs> like he, they were on the rhyming aspect of things. Right. But even if you compare it to accusations, like rapping wise, they can't compare. That's how far mm-hmm. ahead like VJ was ahead of the curve. Like, the rest of these motherfuckers sounded like Run DMC. Mm. And this sounds like like Volume 2 era Jay-Z. Mm. The smoothness is incomparable, is what I'm yeah. saying here. This is the album that said, fuck you to everybody, this is what you should listen to. And it actually worked. Mm. Like, after this album happened, no one cared to listen to the I don't have to rhyme kind of guys, mm. and they faded into obscurity. Um, one of the most known rappers for in the un we don't have to rhyme category was a guy called UMC. Mm-hmm. He had a lot of potent messages in his songs, um, societal messages, mm-hmm. but 
this music sucked in retrospect. I still don't understand how it blew up. Um, but I guess this is because I am pretty young. But guys like UMC just disappeared. They never made music again. <laughs> I mean, they did put out music, I guess, but no one listened to them. Why would they? They have no reason yeah. to. Yeah. So it's and it's not like Verbal Jin is not like stupid when it comes to lyricism. Well, he's a very a good guy. lyricist. <laughs> yeah, like he's there's a reason why VJ is called goat by so many other yeah. players. You know, like fuck, CK has a whole song dedicated to yeah, VJ. I remember that one. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So this was like the album that set the standard yeah. for everything. So that happened, and just listen to it; you'll understand what I mean. The other is 2015's "Essence: The Anecdote." And you, uh, why did why did I uh, why am I not surprised? <laughs> yeah, of course. Now, this is our Illmatic. I know I just used the Illmatic uh-huh. uh, metaphor for accusations, but that was only in a musical sense. The anecdote does what Illmatic did for us. Um, one of the greatest things about Illmatic, aside from the musicality of it, is its cultural significance. Yeah. Hip-hop, to me, has always been a great art form, not just because it elevates and puts the spotlight on the rapper. Mm-hmm. It puts the spotlight on the environment around the rapper. Yeah. It captures a certain environment that they're from. There's a certain quality of regionalism in hip-hop music that transports you to wherever it is talking about. You listen to Illmatic, you're transported to the ghettos of New York. You listen to Company Flow, you're in the subways of New York. Mm -hmm. You listen to Southern Player Catalystic, you're suddenly in Atlanta. You listen to The Chronic, you're you're mentally in a lowrider cruising through Compton. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And that's what always have been the good, great thing about hip-hop for me. So that uh, almost unconscious uh, unconscious fusion of the environment and the artist within the music ne- never actually happened before in Korean hip-hop until the anecdote. Mm-hmm. Because there are glimpses of it, of course. Right in biographical songs, but it never translated into a full album. Before this album, we were superficially talking about hip-hop, quote-unquote, most deaths at this. Like, it was some giant in the mountains. Mm. As if it was some kind of philosophy to the point where we don't know what it is. We talked about it as if we were talking about the Hegelian dialect or something. Mm. Hip-hop is a very daily thing. Right. It's a very tangible thing. And the anecdote kind of proved that because this uh, this album focuses on the environment around Essence as Essence, like, it's very biographical. It really is, yeah. And it's you can see glimpses of what Korea is like as he's talking about it. Mm-hmm. The, all the societal ills of Korea, all the... Um, lots of um, names in Korea, as, or like location names mm-hmm. in Korea as well. Like this is what Seoul, what this is what Kyungsan, which Eastern, is where Essence is from. Like what Korea feels like. You can hear Korea in this album. The way you can hear New York in Nomadic. You can also see glimpses of like Korean hip hop history, like yeah. with the whole hip hop company on the on the song Next Level. Oh yeah. So you can see it's it's a complete kind of almost a documentary film mm-hmm. 
of what Korean hip hop is, but it never explicitly tries to be like the hip hop kind of guy. Yeah. He's never talking about hip hop in a very superficial way here. He's not like saying like hip hop should be this, hip hop should be that. Right. He just shows what hip hop is just by narrating his life. Mm-hmm. A person who has lived hip hop doesn't have to necessarily say that this is hip hop or not. He has he does he has nothing to prove, right? Mm-hmm. So this album is the first instance I think in which that kind of naturality ebbed off, mm. and. This was the first album that kind of blurred, truly like blurred the distinction of Korea's reality and the supposed Korean hip hop scene. Mm-hmm. This is what Korean hip hop should be talking about. Um, and giving that standard is such a hard thing to do. There's a reason why records like Illmatic are one of a kind. Right. And this album did that. Um, it's technically masterful. Yeah. The production is insanely pristine. Um, it's it's raw, dusty as fuck, but uh, it's somehow very well recorded at the same time. Mm-hmm. The cold, dissonant air really, like, really gives you the feel of a metropolis, of a survivor in the concrete jungle kind of mm-hmm. vibe, which is basically what Soul is about. This is one of the representations of the average Korean person's life. Mm-hmm done in such a hip-hop way and that's what hip-hop should be about yeah it should i mean the swagging and the money thing is always all great it always is and there's even a murray narrative on this album as well Mm -hmm. but it's more about also who you are as much as where you are from Mm. like that uh complete synchronization of one's identity and one's surrounding and put translating that into art and into music is one of hip-hop's greatest achievements that not many other genres have succeeded in doing and anecdote does that before this album there was not an album that have quite done this to the degree that um anecdote did Mm -hmm. there has been attempts like yanghua for example we talked about it right but Yanghua doesn't uh, as mo- as 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 great of a record narratively as Yanghua is. It's not an indictment on the entire history of D Flow as a person. Mm-hmm. Like E Sense's anecdote starts when E Sense's E Sense the narrative of the anecdote starts when E Sense was a fucking teenager mm-hmm. before all the hip hop shit before like everything. Like you can see why the ordinary Korean teenager from a countryside would be attracted to hip hop. And how he progresses as a rapper, how he improves and um, manages to find success and then falls over again. Mm -hmm. And now he realizes that his whole life was hip-hop. Like, that's basically the narrative of the anecdote. Wow. Yanghua doesn't go that far. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So this is like the first... You know what? I'll, I'll clear this all up. This is the first instance in which we have seen the portrait of a rapper in which his entire life history synchronizes perfectly with what hip-hop culture has always think and said was real. Mm. That's a one-of-a-life, like, once-in-a-lifetime kind of album. That's a great way to put it. This yeah. is the reason why I put Essence on such a high pedestal. Mm-hmm. Not just because he's a great rapper, because he's a fucking amazing rapper, mm-hmm. poetically, lyrically, flow-wise, performance-wise, beat choice, everything as he's a fucking master. But at the end of the day, 
the reason why I put him as the number one MC spot is because no one has the cultural significance that Essence has. Mm. Period. You could literally destroy every other Korean hip hop record in existence and leave the anecdote. Yeah. Then one day, we will still have the same kind of hip hop mm-hmm. that we have right now. This is the core of the core. This is the middle of the middle kind of record. This is the kind of record that the entire culture is kind of built upon. Mm. And no one knew what that foundation was supposed to be named. And it turned out it was titled The Anecdote. Mm. That's it. Like, there there may be more rappers that can probably rhyme better than him. Like, Pharaoh Monch is a better rhymer than Nas. But as much as I like Pharaoh Monch, he'll never be a Nas. Of course, yeah. That's what I'm talking about here. That's why I put him on such a high pedestal and put him, like, this record on such a high pedestal. Yeah. Like, and with his whole weed thing as well, like, it's almost, his weed charges almost has a societal kind of resistance kind of context to it as well. Mm. If you think about it. In such a conservative country, doing weed three times and going to jail for it is kind of, it's kind of revolutionary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And that kind of context works with hip-hop as well. It's about being fuck you to the system, right? right? It's not like Essence is hurting anyone either. Like, So this is amazing. Um, no one can replace Essence. And the reason they can't is because of this record. Right. This is the foundation that everyone knew about, but they didn't know what it actually looked like. Mm-hmm. And Essence kind of showed them what it was all of this time. This was the record that everyone was trying to make, and Essence kind of did it first. There you go. Yeah. He was the first one there. Yeah. Now, this classic is a very recent one. It's five years old now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we have talked about Elmatic. Uh, well, not Elmatic. Uh, we have talked about the anecdote, right? Mm-hmm. Now, what happens post-anecdote? Ooh, curious now. Is what I'm talking about here. Because if you think about it, Anecdote was basically the result of what everyone was trying to do. Uh-huh. What every boom bap rapper aspired to do. Right. Even trap artists. Like, if you're a rapper, you try to do, you try to pull off an, the, the anecdote. And now Essence did it. Now what we're going to do? Now what are we going to do? Mm-hmm. Like, traditionalism has reached an apex with the anecdote, right? Mm-hmm. And as much as there are many great boom bap records coming out, um, it will never be as significant as this. Mm-hmm. Unless it really uh, revolutionizes the game in ways that even I can't anticipate. But, so, what happens in Korean hip-hop is, you know what, we did everything we can do with Boom Bap. Now it's time to move forward. Mm -hmm. And one of the progressive, so-called, not in the sense of, like, the societal context, but when it comes to the musical context, there has been a lot of progression in Korean hip-hop with a lot of autotune, Mm -hmm with rappers trying to incorporate more melodies into their music and everything. But there was a fundamental problem. Uh, they weren't good. Yeah. <laughs> like, there were Shining Stones. Um, Sick Cave sucked at the beginning, but he became progressively better. Mm-hmm. Uh, SoundCloud rappers, a few of them were all right, but like 90% of them were trash. Mm-hmm. You needed some kind of record that set a standard when it comes to melodical emo rap. Mm-hmm. Something that showed real 
artistic vision. Right. And out of nowhere, the one who no one expected puts out that album, and that's C Jam. Uh, okay. The Kung record. Yeah. Uh, Kung sets the standard for everything post anecdote. Wow. Okay. Um, this was a period in time when. Rappers were using Auditu not as a creative tool most of the time. I'm not trying to generalize here. Uh, as more of a mask rather than a tool. Okay. They were using it to cover up how bad they were. Oh. And when people shitted on it, people then they would use to say, oh, you're just hating on Auditu. No, motherfucker, you just suck. So you needed some kind of album or an artist that came out and really set the standard as to show them why they're fucking whack. Mm. And C-Jam did that with this record. First of all, the production of this record that is handled by Jay Kidman. Oh my fucking God. Yeah, it's a, it's an insane project. No doubt. Kidman is a genius. Yeah. Um, because this was when like Lil Peep was on this rise and Existentacion was still alive and Juice World was on the rise and people were just copying that formula over and over yeah. again. The same drab ass guitars, a little bit of moo, and you just croon on the record, put autotune on it and say that I'm a sad boy and it's all fucking finished. No. That's what Korean hip hop was like. Mm. It was like, well, how did it become this trash kind of a thing? I'm not saying Lil Peep was this kind of guy. I'm saying the people who were ripping off of Lil Peep sounded like this. Mm-hmm. It sounded drab, uninspired, unoriginal, and just plain incompetent. And it was the same thing over and over again. A same very come-as-you-are Nirvana kind of riff, and your riff on it, and they say you're an emo rapper, and that was it. Mm-hmm. What Kung did was actually try to do, switch the game up. To show that the instrumental palette could be way more potent than this. Right. The first opener of that song, of that album, is called Wolle Na Nirena, right? Mm-hmm. That is Brit Rock inspired. Oh. If you listen to it again, that shit is not grunge. That shit is not alternative rock like everyone else doing at this time. That had a very Brit Rock kind of influence to it. It's a very up tune with a very bright key piano keys going mm-hmm. on and stuff like that. No one heard of this kind of shit before. And I was like, Huh, this is this is this is weird. And he's using autotune over it, but it sounds so smooth, mm-hmm. which is weird. Um, usually it sounds very grating. At, at, at least at this time period, when Korean rappers were using autotune, it sounded very grating. Right. And how how is he pulling this off? It's because he rhymed properly. Yeah, this was the first instance in which a, a rapper that's using autotune this blatantly r- rhymed so impeccably, like impeccularly. Mm-hmm. C Jam was a great rapper before this. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, he had trouble. He had trouble making good albums, but he was a very capable rapper, mm-hmm. and he put that kind of skill. He re- he retained that lyrical construction with him, mm-hmm. and just switched the musical template. So that Kung record did two things. First of all, it actually taught autotune rappers how to sound smooth, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because the the problem was rhyming. Yeah. As it always is, the problem is rhyming. And the second is he actually tried to switch up production with this. When everyone was just being a very downgraded version of fucking Kurt Cobain of all people, they were all like Nirvana ripoffs at the end of the day. Mm. 
he actually tried to bring in lots of different elements of electronica, trap music, um, other genres of, of rock, and recontextualize it into an emo rap platform. Mm-hmm. There's a very heavy Oasis influence to that record. Yeah. It really is. If you go and hear it again, it then see. Yeah, seriously. There's a very Brit rock inspired to it. Um, then there's like trance influence on some yeah. of the trap beats on there. Uh-huh. Like, and of course you have the quintessential emo rap mm-hmm. as well. So it's like this is what emo rap is supposed to be, not just rapping on trying to be like a lightweight Kurt Cobain, but actually dealing with mental abuse, yeah. actually dealing with addiction, in these dark topics, and innovative and something that is creative rather than just slacking off a persona. Mm-hmm. Because the whole sad boy movement is is such a shame. Mm-hmm. It ended so abruptly because one of the, the superstars of that genre, which was Lil Peep, Juice right. World, and all, Tentacion all passed away, right? Mm-hmm. And granted, Tentacion was a fucking piece of shit. I don't care. He was a domestic mm-hmm. abuser. I don't give a fuck about him. But musically, he had plays. You know what I mean? Yeah. And when all three superstars of a certain movement passes on... The genre dies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, imagine, like, during the 60s, like, the Beatles and the Rolling Stones were all killed in a single car crash or something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We would be still listening to Frank fucking Sinatra. Right. Yeah. And this consequentially led to, like, because of the loss of leaders, new innovators didn't come out. Mm. So the movement just ended when it had a lot of potential with a bunch of Kurt Cobain ripoffs and shit died off. Mm-hmm. It gave way to like grime and drill. All right. And it's very ironic in a sense because like many people like the C Jam record because they think it had done like imported the genre perfectly, but mm-hmm. that's not for me. It actually tried to build on what was considered emo rap at the time. Mm-hmm. I dare you, I fucking dare you to find an emo rap album that sounds like this. It'd be difficult, yeah. No one. I mean, a couple songs might be similar, but the entire palette that this album has, you won't find it. Mm-hmm. You period. You won't. You will not find a record that sounds like this, and which is so incredible. Like, I don't. I I really want to know the recording process of this album and the inspiration process behind this because Korean hip hop has a has a problem of uh, being a pioneer because you copied it mm-hmm. first. This record is not a pioneer because it copied it first. This album actually recontextualized mainstream emo rap. Yeah. If a record like I dare, I dare this, I dare to say this. If an American rapper came out with this kind of record, it would have been an entire different story for emo rap as in general. Uh-huh. That's how groundbreaking this record was. Like I still haven't found an emo rapper that can do what C Jam did with this. Yeah. Like, the first song alone, I dare you to find a song like that. In other genres, maybe. In the in the rap spectrum, no. You're not going to mm-hmm. find a song that like, like that. Um. So, this record, and the whole, like, the rock star persona I talked about, mm-hmm. you know, I, I still don't like it. But you have to admit, this was the first, this was the precursor to that. Yeah, I Everyone, the, the whole rock star persona is basically C-Jam's construct. Mm-hmm. The whole rockstar thing that started in the Korean hip hop, like everyone is saying rockstar instead of rap star, that was because of C Jam. Everyone wants to rip off C Jam. After this Kung record dropped, like Young B switched up this style. Yeah, that's um, true. 
Kid Millie yeah. switched up his style. Noel, they switched up his yeah. style. SoundCloud rappers became talking, like, suddenly began to have a wolf cut. And <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't necessarily like the influences of this record mm-hmm. because it gave way to so much bullshit because they kind of didn't understand mm-hmm. it properly. But this record is still kick-ass, and it you can't deny it. This changed Korean hip-hop. This changed Korean hip-hop in a way that no other record did, in a sense, almost. Yeah. If, like, the anecdote was a final confirmation of everything that you were trying to do, Kung was really one of the very first instances of something that you didn't even hear in the States manifest yeah. into an internal movement. Problem is, of course, no one lived up to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I guess the person who came closest is Sick K. Yeah, debatable. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he did. Sick K doesn't yeah. have a single record that is better than Kung, but at least he didn't disappoint me. Yeah. All the other people who are trying to imitate CGM disappointed me. Um, Ash Island is on the track, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, Ash Island wouldn't have happened without this record. Mm. Sid K's uh, rock persona wouldn't have happened without this album. Mm-hmm. Like this album was basically responsible for every rock influence there is in Korean hip hop nowadays. Mm-hmm. You know the whole fashion statement as well. Like the back hair is long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, C Jam did it. That's why they're doing it. Wow. Yeah, like when it comes to fashion wise as well, like the drip of C Jam is basically the archetype for every like emo Ash Island type rapper yeah, that is out right now. That's true. Uh-huh. That's how influential this album was. Um, and just look at the rhyming. The ri- the rhyming is impeccable. Like, oh god, that album is such perfect. That's a perfect album. Mm-hmm. It's definitely. That's uh, one of the high quality. Yeah, album. that's one of the albums that really smashed my prejudice about trap rap and stuff like nice. the emo rap and stuff. Which is kind of ironic, because like the state emo rap never did it for me, mm-hmm. except for a couple of records. But it's actually C Jam that did it for me. Mm-hmm. Like this was why I kind of looked at emo rap a different way and realized so much that there's so much potential. Yeah, it was such a shame that the leaders of the game had to pass on before actually yeah. having the time to grow. But I guess that's more of an indictment saying that we shouldn't do lean anymore. Yeah. Don't do lean. Please, don't do lean. Yeah. So, yeah, man, we discussed a lot about different classics, very diverse, and just kind of gave our, Mm -hmm. you know, opinions on it. Hopefully, we get more classics in the near future. And so, as we begin to slowly wrap up our show, as usual, any artists or tracks that you're currently listening to and would like to share or recommend to our listeners? Uh, For me, you know, watching this season of Show Me the Money, I... You know, it was really good to see Basic back again. Um, it's been a while since I've seen him. And there's a there's a, a debut track that he had, or he has, it's called Better Than the Best. And it came out in 2000, 2007. Who was it again? Basic. Who you're talking about? Oh, yeah. It was with Mild Beats. And mm. uh, yeah, this is just a pure hip-hop track. This uh, Watching his, um, his semi-final performance, the 08 Basic, definitely reminded me of that better than the best type you know uh, mm. basic not the sound itself but the lyrics mm. like just him rapping and it was really good to see and if if you're new to basic or want to get into basics music i highly recommend you checking out basics uh better than the best yeah 
It's just pure rap. Um, I'll come up with a very recent artist. This album came out two days ago. Um, there's a rapper called Kwai, K W A I. He's a he's a he's kind of a rookie. I think uh, the most prominent album he put out was in 2020 September, and it was called Flowering Four. But that was last year. Um, two days ago, he put out an album called Entropy. Entropy. Mm. Uh, with the producer named Irene, and it's it's kind of abstract. It's an abstract hip hop record, but it has a very sonical immediacy to it. Mm. It hits you. It's not like you have to like really try to understand what music is going on. Like the flow wise, like lyrically, it's very abstract. But the flow wise and the beat wise, there's a certain uniqueness and an experimentalism to it. Mm-hmm. But it, it adheres to like the basic fundamentals of what makes it click for. A listener like it hits hard okay and the flow is the flows are great the tone is very um a little bit goblin ish okay it's very fierce hard a little bit of hardcore influence in it as well so it's a great record is a very um experimental record um personally i didn't get it when kwai was getting hyped back in the like last mm. year like he seemed capable but he didn't have that it factor for me mm. but i think this album does it for me um oh, wow. Interesting bars, uh, great production, excellent sequencing. Check this out. Um, you won't regret it um, because it might not be for you, but at least you won't say, ah, this shit is trash. Yeah. Like, and if you like it, you'll really fucking like it, especially if you're some if you're into some experimentalism. Mm. So definitely check it out. Um, Entropy by the rapper Kwai and producer Irene. Nice. Yeah, well, that's yep. all the time we have for today, but please do comment and let us know what other K-hip-hop albums do you think are considered classics. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please go and subscribe to our podcast on all platforms, and please give us that five-star rating. If you want more K-hip-hop cottons, go check out Daytona's Insta- Instagram at myk underscore Daytona for K-hip-hop album reviews, and also follow our social media page at soul underscore therapy. Thank you guys so much, and see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.